Welcome to Refocus, a podcast that helps you find your focus to build a thriving creative career in the music industry. I'm your host, Rosalind Dennett. Hello and welcome to Refocus. Today we're speaking with Kijo Buchanan, who's a knowledge sharer and creative, investing her focus and time as a librarian at the Toronto Reference Library Arts Department and curates folk acoustic sounds through community radio at cjru.ca and is the executive producer for folkrecovery.org. Welcome, Kijo. Thank you, Rosalind. I'm so excited to speak with you because I find the Folk Recovery Project just absolutely fascinating. It's been such a pleasure to get to dig through the the materials that you've been publishing. Can you tell me a little bit about where the origins of this project started and how it came to be? Folk Recovery is, as the tagline says, it is exactly what it is. It's celebrating and archiving BIPOC Canadian folk storytellers and their contributions to the Canadian folk sound. And how this started is, I'm not going to get into too much of it, because often it's an accumulation of things and events that happen. And one of the things that was happening for me a few years ago in 2021 is I was wrapping up my MLIS, my Master in Library and Information Science study. And as I'm wrapping up this, a lot of other things are already happening. I'm working with Jolly Journey, which is my folk show through CGRU. And I'm also meeting a lot of great artists and already had great conversations with them. So all of these things are kind of coming together, and I'm also studying an oral history course. So as all of these things are coming together, I am piecing together, and and I'll name all my storytellers shortly. I realize this is what I want to show up and do. I do it for my project, for my oral history class, but I realize this is a real-life project that can actually come together. And I'm talking to the station manager and just trying to figure out different ways to get funding to get started on this project because I want it to be something that people will be compensated for their time to work on and not completely volunteer-based. And so to do that, you have to really get organized and talk to people. And I was also doing a course on, yes, grant writing at the same time. So sometimes things are just in synchronicity and you just kind of realize, it's like, oh, this has to happen. This isn't just an idea to complete this project, but really needs to happen. The birth of folk recovery comes from just listening to artists and responding to what it is that they need, but also what it is that I am in a position to offer as a librarian and as a radio host and somebody who's a part of the industry in this way. So that's the basic starting of it, all the different people and parts. (laughs) Yeah, the people, I'll do a special shout out to some FMO alumni that are that are in there. Up right now, I think you have the full interview and transcript with Kaya Cater and Joni Narita. Yes, and she's been a, a great champion of the project as well. Yeah. That Joni Narita is actually my my advisor on the project, someone who really understands the industry. And also I've had great interviews with Mei Chung, with Ansley Simpson, and 
up next, if depending on when you're listening, it may be already ready for you, is Amanda Lowe-Wanakonsuria, who's also been a great friend in me putting this together. So all of these storytellers aren't just their storytellers, but they've donated their time and often advice for me to even get started. I should also mention an earlier conversation that I had with Kaya. So I actually had an interview that I used a clip of in my final project. And that's also a part of the inspiration. And that was talking about the origins of the banjo and mm. and also how we show up as Black people in spaces and showing up as our full selves. And this was a very important part of our conversation. And I realized, yeah, that's interesting. You know, here is the genre of folk music that we are very much a part of and sometimes often is is missed in the education and understanding of not only in music because I studied art history and sometimes when you're studying those things it's completely on the western canon and and forgets to show the parallels of everyone that is evolving and contributing to that media throughout time. And as BIPOC people here in Canada, Black, Indigenous, and as well as Asian and all racialized people here in Canada, we have been contributing to the traditional sounds of folk and even in the pre-colonial context for a very long time. And so it's very important to highlight and celebrate that as a part of the dialogue and understanding of what folk music really means we're using Canada as our backdrop, but what it means here, right? What it means here on Turtle Island and, and what that, yeah. that comes together as. There was an interesting thread between the interview with Kaya and the interview with Joni, both talking about the banjo, and they kind of came at it from two different sides mm -hmm. where, you know, Kaya has been involved with the Black Banjo Reclamation Project, and, and she was involved with the Black Music Summit recently at, at Folk Alliance and has done a lot of work in, in that space. And as a Black banjo player, been really open about talking about that journey. And I, and Joni kind of came at it from from the opposite side of, of seeing it as like a colonial instrument. And it's just, in, it was interesting to see how, yeah, you can kind of look at it from, from either side. And yeah, um, it's an instrument that is confused to be a colonial instrument, but mm -hmm. it's not who you think is the origins of the instrument. Mm -hmm. And yes, and, and Kaya gets into that, of course, gets into the details of that, that this is something that has been affiliated um, with white supremacy, this instrument. And so therefore we don't want to touch it, not realizing it's just that we don't want to touch it anymore, that mm -hmm. we have already designed it and been a part of it. And so it's nice to see those reclamation projects. And that is a part of what folk recovery is about. These artists sharing their own story in their own words and how they're finding their own space and see themselves as folk. Because Joni has a piano. And you're going to see this as, as, as an interesting theme that will run through other storytellers. And so therefore that all of a sudden excludes you as a folk artist <laughs> because you have a keyboard. And yeah, she gets into that part as well, which is very interesting. You start off your, your interviews with the I am folk because question, which which I love so much. It's a question that I see people asking themselves yeah. a lot. Certainly there's always been, been gatekeepers that have made 
folks feel excluded. But then I also, if you don't see yourself the way that you look or or where you're coming from represented, you may exclude yourself from it. And that can be like Joni is saying as like, I don't see my instrument <laughs> represented here. So even just the instrument that I'm playing doesn't make me feel Welcome. Yeah. Like, I wonder if you, if you didn't already feel excluded, would you just pull at your keyboard? And if you already felt like fully included, would that be, would that be a barrier? Because there's still that feeling of exclusion that you're judging even like the instrument that you're playing and whether or not that's folk. Yeah. You're questioning how you're showing up the instrument you use. And for me personally, I would have to say that Yes. I question whether or not I am folk, even though I've chosen this genre or it's chosen me to, to be a part of it, starting with Jelly Journey. But it was already there, even though I consider myself before more of a jazz head. But I'm also very folk and I'm not putting on airs. It's really that strong connective sense of community, of staying present in the moment and what's happening in our world. And also an intention that I forgot that I even made, even while I was early studying things, because I also come from a um, nonprofit uh, database background. So I'm always picking community first in everything that I'm doing. And I have to be honest about that. That is my path. That is where I'm going. And so that's how I know I am folk. I realize I am concerned. I'm concerned about the kind of information that we're sharing and that we're keeping. I want to see things. And I know a lot of people like yourself are out there. We want to see things better. So how are we invested and how are we showing up as responsible ancestors? And so we understand this. And so that's how I know, even though in the past I'd be concerned about, oh, do I have the right to be a part of this genre? I don't have the same background. It's been a while since I picked up my cello. Do I know what I'm talking about? And I don't have all the lingo and I probably don't read music as well as I could when I did when I was in high school. But it's folk. You don't but have it's to know folk. how to read. <laughs> It doesn't mean there isn't quality, but at the same time, it is exactly that. It is folk. I can come with my spoken word and it's still acceptable. I can do my own music making with my Darbuka and Kalimba on my own time and it's fine. And not everything I produce needs to be produced for, you know, the mass consumption. It could be intimate, like this conversation right now, however far or wide it reaches, that's where it needs to go. And that's how I realized, yeah, this is a place I felt surprisingly, and I do mean it, I mean surprisingly welcomed because I've been in other spaces, creative spaces that didn't feel so warm and didn't feel so welcome. So perhaps the timing is right. Perhaps the people are right that I'm mm -hmm. connecting with. But yeah, I've been fortunate. I mean, you still have to kind of protect your energy in certain situations. Like you said, there are going to mm -hmm. be gatekeepers. But I realize it's like those gatekeepers have somehow been pushed to the periphery because all the people I really need seem to be coming forward first. <laughs> I know they're there, but they're kind of like over here, you know? And it's like, it's okay, <laughs> you can stay over there. Because now all the people that I really need, people like yourself, Rosalind, that, that really want to have these honest conversations and be a part of the community and that connection just keep showing up and, and they show up for this project and they give their time, whether as a team member or, or as a community partner in some way or as a storyteller, but they're giving their time. And, and I'm, I'm so grateful to that. And I'm so grateful to learning about folk in that way. 
Like I'm learning about music in that way now. And it's a different kind of method than some of the other ways, which are still good. But You mentioned some of the instruments that you play, some of the yeah. many instruments it seems like you play. How did you get connected with, with those instruments and, and what was your journey discovering music? I'll try not to get too down. I was born in, you know, you can stay forever. <laughs> I'll try not to get too far back. I'll try to surmise each moment. But let's start with childhood. Childhood, I've had the fortune of my grandfather and a great aunt purchasing a bright piano for me. Of course, because as much and loving as parents can be, they can really suck the joy out of something that you want to learn. <laughs> You know, it's like, did you practice? Did you practice? And I didn't have the focus that I know some people really have when they're musicians. And that's the other reason why sometimes I felt a little intimidated, because I know people live, sleep and breathe this in their childhood. I was not one of those kids. So I'm like, okay, maybe I'm not a musician then, because I just don't live and breathe this. I realized listening to other artists, some have learned in more non-traditional ways even learned how to play the piano. I did do the Royal Conservatory, but I've realized like I was even listening to, I don't know if you saw the the film of Buffy St. Marie's documentary autobiography. And she mentions that her way of just like freestyling, learning the piano. That is not how I was learning the piano. And I, maybe that's part of the problem is understanding the kind of learner you are. And that's what I know now that I didn't know <laughs> then. Other ways that I really dived in is by the time I'm in high school, I realized I love the cello. I love the sound of it. I love everything about it. And so I started playing the cello. And this time we're doing Suzuki style for those of you following the type of schools I used. And I did the Suzuki style for that. And I actually did like it better than the Royal Conservatory. I, I realized there's a something freer about it. And I think it's also because of who my teachers were, right? I had this great uh teacher, Mrs. Graves, she's out in Oakville and she has passed away, but she was one of those great leaders in um, teaching children about music and really kind of open. And she even invited me out to like her own quartet where I'm playing, here I am a teenager playing with these old white ladies at seniors homes. And that's how I know I'm folk because I felt fine and completely comfortable playing my cello in that in that environment not because of the audience but the fact that i can connect based on the music on the sound is what makes it folk like i am flexible in just being where the music is and not worrying and judging so much who the teachers are but really understanding this is where i need to be and later on fast forward I'm out with a friend of mine and, and her husband, and they're musicians, and they're very folky and very nomadic, and they're the get-in-the-van-go-across-Canada type. And they happen to be passing through Toronto, and there is this Arabic festival that's going on in the square uh, here. I'm, I'm in Toronto, by the way, to Toronto, for those of you listening. And in this city hall, they have these festivals throughout the summers. And, and this one, this cultural festival happens to be an Arabic one. And there is a vendor, a Egyptian vendor who has a darbuka. And it's the end of the night. And my friend's like, oh, it's beautiful. I want to buy it. Da -da -da -da. Pardon my fake uh, Quebecois accent, <laughs> but there it is. And I'm like, I don't know. Because you got those very vibrant, fiery. She's the fiery personality. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. And she's like, oh, I'm going to buy it. If you don't buy it, I'm going to buy it. And I end up buying it. She buys it and then I purchase it from her. And yeah, my Darbuka is in Saroma, I call it. And it's from the Endinkra, the symbol of, of the stars. 
So that Akan belief of the stars, because it's made of ceramic and it has like the, a lot of diamonds on it that reminds me of the stars. And I feel like it is a healing communicator for me. It is something if you've ever watched some of my posts on IG, I've been very honest about because, and I look forward to being out in the spring playing it. I'm sure my neighbors would appreciate that too. And I'm, I'm learning whatever is on YouTube and sometimes just playing along as I'm learning other songs using my Darbuka. So it's been a great healing thing for me. And the kalimba is just like a little fun thing. We just kind of just play a few notes and hum and, and make up songs. And so, yeah, I've been using my kalimba. I've been learning some more traditional playing as well as just my own freestyle playing with the Darbuka. And I look forward to, to being braver with it because instruments... And this specific instrument needs dancers, which means you got to be with a crew, you got to be with other people. So eventually, maybe I'll find, or it, or they will find me, and I'll get to play with them, and they'll get to dance. I'm sure me. you can, like, if you're in Toronto, head out to a park with a kalimba, you'll get I dancers. Think so. the I dancers think, I, I think so. I don't think I have to try that hard. <laughs> I just have to be brave and just, yeah, put it in my carrier and, and just go. So I think, yeah, as things get warmer, I'm just going to just take it out there and we'll start our own drum circle and see what happens. Okay. So Toronto listeners, keep your ears open when you're walking around in the summer. But, but I love that your journey into folk was kind of like a freeing, like finding music that, that made you feel free to explore, you know? Exactly. That's, that's exactly it, Rosalind. I just, I found music that was a little more into the freestyle that I needed to explore and be a part of. Yeah, absolutely. I love that there was a place where you found community as well in my own journey. It took me a long time to realize that that was the part that was the ticket for me. I was, I, I did Suzuki Method as yeah. well, which, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm not necessarily going to, sh- I'm not, not going to like shout out Suzuki Method no, <laughs> necessarily, it's, yeah, it's a but, whole thing, but, yeah. but, for, but the nice thing about it is that at least it, it develops your ear. I did appreciate that. Yeah. Like while learning traditional styles and, and I also like cannot read music for the life of me, which is really expected of you, I think, both for piano and <laughs> I'm, violin, I'm not laughing you know? at you. I'm laughing with you because <laughs> I, they have keyboards at my work, right? So we have two keyboard rooms where you can go and play keyboard. And I'm trying hard, not realizing I, I actually ended up pick, picking one of the, the easiest songs. So I pick Bill Withers. Sorry, it'll come to me in a second. I've been playing this song over and over again, and now I'm forgetting and and so as i as i'm playing the song cuz it's in the key of c i'm still counting i'm like literally counting the lines <laughs> and i'm trying to find oh what was what were the cheat notes on on the cuz i can't like mm-hmm. i i know where they are on the keyboard if you say okay fine middle c i can find these things but trying to correlate my brain and reading that note and this is supposed to be over there it's lost it's a lost cause and one yeah it's one hand at a time Either we're doing the left yeah. or the right today, and the chords better be simple because, wow, it's just, yeah. So there, maybe that was too much disclosure. Maybe I just incriminated myself. But there. No, I'm <laughs> right there with you. Yeah, it's, it's interesting when you can take, take yourself out of that and remove that expectation. Yeah. And the expectation is just to communicate music exactly. with either another person or with your own feeling to yourself or to to the stars or wherever you're communicating that it, that's amazing that you were that you were able to find that I feel like not all folks do and they keep keep up those expectations right that they 
it's like this way or nothing. And, and some people don't find that community. So that's amazing that you did. Yeah. I've been very lucky. I've been very lucky. And I think it's also just making that intention and then being open and flexible to it. Because the people are there, but you have to really, for me anyway, I needed to really make an intention and say, this is this is what I want to be a part of. I'm not going to be all judgy about it. I'm really going to be honest and say, okay, this is what I need to be a part of and, and navigate through that kind of space because I'll take away all that extra, extra expectation and judgment. Oh, I don't know all the notes for this. I can't name this song right off the top of my head. Do I belong in this place? And it's like, no, some people have a very extensive repertoire in their head, which is beautiful. But I realize even as a librarian, I look things up. That's that's what that's how I know. It's knowing I, how I to look lines. things up. That's the <laughs> I count the lines. I count the lines. <laughs> look things up if it's necessary. But outside of that, yeah, there's other ways in. Um, and I guess this is where we're embracing this when we do podcasting and so on in music. And there's other ways in orality that we can in in the audio world, and we can start to really embrace our own learning and understanding, right? Sightseeing does not have to just be from what you you read, but also maybe how the note feels. You know, one of the things mm. I really loved in in high school was in actually grade school. You know, when you had to do uh, band in like grade seven and eight, mm-hmm. I played the trombone. Yes, and the trombone is totally yes. about breath and the weight and the feel. It doesn't matter what notes on there, whatever. You better know how that <laughs> note feels because if you don't know, it's mm-hmm. not happening. It's a very different kind of experience because it's not the same as positioning with your hands and stuff. Yeah, there's some positioning, but a lot of what's coming out is going to be how it feels. And you have to memorize that kind of in your stomach, in your diaphragm. You have to remember, how does this note feel again? Yeah. That's so interesting. And it's another one where you're, yeah, it's feel, it's muscle memory. Yeah, it's it's a muscle. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, muscle memory. Yeah. Yeah. But I like that image of like, how does this note feel? Yeah. I know you were at the FMO conference this year. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you were if you were at the panel that we did, the what, who, what is folk? What is? Yes, the, I who, did. What, who, what, where, why? And you're there with, um, I believe, Janice Jolie and... Jolie, Morgan Tony, Tressa Levasseur, yes. Chris White. That's right. Um but it's it's a it's a conversation that I feel like just has kept going, and it's 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 one that I think is so important now as we're because we have this kind of chance, I guess, or maybe maybe I'm speaking from more of my organizational hat, but mm-hmm. like we do have this like chance to to do some some redefining of what it is. And I wanted to ask you like what you think, what is your definition of folk? Like what are the different stars in your constellation of what folk is? Well, I don't know. It might be unfair for me to say because I've been hearing everybody else's definitions in these past project. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was like, hmm, am I just like emulating or mirroring what I've heard? But for me, and it continues to be my my place in understanding what folk is, is that it is it is coming from our own human tradition, and it is not based in any specific language. It is not based in any specific geographic origin other than being from Earth. And and so for me, folk is exactly that. It is that traditional storytelling that comes from us. And that's where you have the folklorists and the people who, for me, I'm carrying it through the spirit of the Jali, of course, which is the West African griot, the storyteller and the knowledge keeper and sharer through that tradition of oral 
orality and, and oral history. And that's how I show up as, as folk. But I realize there are different dimensions of it that are still a part of that tradition of, of our human experience. And that's what folk for me is. It is, is that tradition of our human experience and we're bringing that all in. That's what it is. I love that. There's like an interest. So you brought up kind of folk folklore and like the keeping and the telling of our stories. There's like a word that's that's used sometimes called like the folk process, mm-hmm. which I feel like doesn't get brought up a lot too much when I've been having these conversations. But it's just like another another word that's associated with folk, mm. the folk process. The folk process. And mm. the folk process when I've come across that word is like the means of like creation, like when you're creating new work out of tradition. Yes. And the new work out of like traditional And that could be artisans, that could be anything. Yeah. I like that. That is quite beautiful. Yes. Creating new out of tradition. That is a really good way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like being situated in the present, but then having that, that like folklore and lore yes. being, you know, recognizing of the, the history of where things are going and then maybe the process, or maybe there's some other word, folk futures, I don't know, of like how we create and how we move forward. Mm -hmm. Because we're taking that with us. We're taking our inheritance Mm -hmm. with us and we're bringing that forward, not just leaving it way in the back. What's so beautiful about about this genre too is that it leaves room for collaboration and for conversation in music. Yeah. Yeah, because you're not so restrictive. Personally, I am very much, and it's hard to accept sometimes in life, that I'm just a nonconformist. And I have a certain natural nomadic <laughs> yes. behavior. And it's like, you know your folk, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know your folk when. when. <laughs> yeah, this is more like, you know your folk when you have a certain kind of natural. How many people. times have you moved in the last <laughs> 20 years? Oh my gosh. <laughs> And I'm just so proficient at it. It's kind of sad, but <laughs> but exciting at the same time. It takes all kind of folk. It does, but it's just so funny. There are just certain things I realize that parallel in my personality. And it's like, well, it's kind of already a part of who I am when I am taking away all, stripping away all the, the airs and the masks and everything else. And I realize it's like, oh, okay. All right. And that's okay. It's okay to be this person regardless, but it's nice to find mm-hmm. community while you're being yourself. It really is nice. I feel like and as a genre, we're in a good place to be asking ourselves questions. Exactly. That makes sense. Yeah. And asking those honest questions that maybe in other spaces, you might feel too much pressure not to. It's like, oh, we got to mm. keep it light and we got to keep it this. And I, I love folk because while well, I'm using it in this way, I curate music in this way. Sometimes it is light and fun. But sometimes I find I love the fact that it can be so soft and gentle and then heavy hitting at the same time. Mm-hmm. And and it's like, where can you do that? Where can you really hit people with such blunt honesty and they still feel like, yeah, I want to hear more. I want to understand mm-hmm. more. So I feel like, yeah, we're in, a, we're in a time where we can really open up that that dialogue and that understanding and really make room for each other and, and just kick back and exchange and listen. Speaking of listening, your radio program, you can tell me a little bit about why you've chosen to invest your time in that and, and the work you do, the work you do there. Well, it, it's, it's a blend of things, not to sound too egotistical, but clearly the voice is my gift and I need to just accept and say thank you to the ancestors mm-hmm. for that, um, which is interesting because I was a very quiet child. But one of the things I do remember doing when I was very young, I used to play radio. <laughs> 
And nice. yeah, I was, I would be <laughs> in my grandfather's basement, actually the same grandfather who I probably got a lot of my voice from. He's like a this kind of like, I don't know, he's probably at least six feet tall, if not 5'11". He's a big man. And he had a very boisterous laugh and, and a very very deep voice. And his basement, and it's back in the olden days, kids of the 70s and 80s. And it was the 80s, but they still had the 70s look, the shag carpet Mm -hmm. and the wood paneling basement. And I'm sure there was an eight track player somewhere in the corner that now serves the place to put the fish aquarium. You know the deal, you know the spiel. And then the stereo system, which is not what you expect today. It has to have all the different levels and the equalizers and all the other parts and buttons that I have no idea even still need to learn how to use today. I'm not a sound producer. So thank you to the sound producers. So it has all of that. And of course, a turntable and all of my aunts and uncles are like 10 years older than me. So they're teenagers and I'm a child and they have all their mixes of, of music in there. And so, yeah, I just find my favorites. I'm sure there was the Gap Band in there. I, I wasn't at the level to understand. There was some music in there. Let's just say that it was probably a little more jazzy and experimental for me to understand. I wasn't there yet. But I remember I loved the process. And here's another one from, and I'd put it on, onto the term table. And and it's nobody ever told me I had to do this. The only thing that was even close to it was the fact that my teenage brother was also a DJ in high school. And so a lot of my lullabies are like these old school kind of rock and hip hop beats that I don't even realize <laughs> that I know until I hear the song in full. And it's like, that's the song, right? Because <laughs> I only know the one beat looping over and over again. Mm-hmm. You know, I know big beats and all these other different sounds. And so that's my that's my intro. That is my early childhood intro. It's all these different moving parts. Me pretending to be a DJ and playing radio host and my brother, who's also actually a DJ at the time and all of these influences coming in. And and so fast forward, people are asking me, I'm asking me, if you could do anything, what would you want to do? And I realized I want to be on the radio. And I tried it out with another radio station, but as a volunteer, I wasn't as actively involved in the radio production part. It was more like with the fundraising and all that kind of stuff. And I realized that's not really what I want to do. And then I was, I, I have an uncle who does radio and, and told me about CGRU actually. And he's like, you should just, you know, put it in. And of course I was intimidated, uh, you know, that kind of imposter syndrome. Oh no, I can't do that. I didn't study broadcasting. I can't be on the radio. I don't know what I'm doing. I realized it's like, it doesn't matter. We're all there. There's yes, there's traditional ways in which you enter this media and, and you learn what all those equalizers are for. And then there is the way that I've learned to do it. And that is the folk way. <laughs> I learned I learned through the station. And I've been very fortunate to be working with people at the station. And these are students taking on these great roles in the sound and in music and events. Yeah, just going to give a shout out to to Gabby Clark. Thank you. And thank you, Kalisa. These are some of the people on there and Sean that are at the CGRU environment that have just shown me what I needed to know to put a show together. When it was time, it was Kalisa that says to me, you know what, you need to get your own show. And then I'm like, hmm, what should I do? And this is where the teetering between the jazz, should I just go with, it's like, no, Mm -hmm. something said no folk. 
And another artist who probably doesn't realize this is part of my decision-making was Alex Kuba, because he has a long conversation about what is folk and what is world music and then what is mm. folk music. And, and that's coming into that, understanding, understanding that. And then I, I tell Alyssa, as a station manager, okay, I'm going to do this, this folk show. And then Sean is the one who drops Kaya Cater's name to me. And at the top of every single Jali journey is Kaya Cater playing Rose on the Mountain on the banjo. And so there we have it. We finally have Jali Journey. We know why we're doing it. There's no hard, fast rules, but it is going to be showcasing a lot of BIPOC folk artists anywhere in the world. And regardless of the style of folk that they're doing, folk acoustic sound, that is the main focus of this. Yeah, that's my refocus it is, is just getting that and realizing that's that's how I ended up on on radio. I'm just following natural intuition, accepting help when I needed it, where I needed it, and then bringing that together. And then that's how Jolly Journey is born. And I'm so grateful to that. And I'm so grateful to the people I'm able to meet through it as well. So interesting that you were saying that, you know, you, I didn't practice piano enough. Oh, you were practicing radio DJing. So exactly. <laughs> I was too busy there being was... a curator of music. I'm sorry. Yeah, I didn't sorry. have time to play the piano because I'm going Good to Good thing a you spend all those hours <laughs> practicing in your basement. Yeah, that's incredible. Exactly. I just had to know how to drop the needle. That was it. That was my, <laughs> at the right moment, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> I also just came up with just the worst, the worst comment when you were talking about like that, that feeling of talked about this a bit in, in this podcast is like the feeling of imposter syndrome. Yes, yes. And, and especially for women, this comes up yeah. a lot. And the, the, the phrase that I, that I was thinking of was like, you just got to like folk around and find out. Exactly. <laughs> just find I love it. I love it. That's it. We're just going to folk around. <laughs> We're just going to poke around a bit and, and see what we come <laughs> up with. That's it. <laughs> I like it. Spoke around. Oh, gosh. Maybe, and maybe that's, I don't know if that's common or not. And maybe it's, maybe it's not. Maybe people are afraid to admit that they don't have all the answers and that they don't have, they're not coming into something with all the experience no. and answers that they need. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that you can come somewhere with with an interest. Yeah, and learn as you go along. And, and I'm willing to continue that investment and learn through all of you as I go along. So it's like, yeah, I can still humble myself in, in the process, but at the same time, it doesn't mean I don't belong here. And I think that's what heart, yeah, that's where the gatekeepers get a little bit. Have you been putting in your blood, sweat and tears? No, but I have been alive for 47 years. And so I have been living and contributing in other spaces that maybe you didn't see me and I didn't see you, but I am bringing experience into this space, you know? And that's the other thing people have to give themselves credit for. It's like, you've been alive for a while, quite some time, so maybe you should consider that. That life experience still has value and you're just pulling other skills. That's the great thing about also being a librarian. It's, it's multidisciplinary. You're bringing in all your other skills and pieces and experiences and you're bringing it into this space now. And so it looks, yes, I look very fresh and new for a lot of people. Um, some people are okay with that. Some people are like, I don't know, you haven't been here for 20, 30 years like I have. Yeah, but I've been sharing the planet with you for 47 years, so it's okay. Yeah. Like, I, I'm sorry, I'm a little late for you, but <laughs> not really. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> but I'm happy to be here now. You know, I'm happy to be a part of this now. So yeah, I just spoke around, like you said. <laughs> <laughs> I'm incredibly glad that 
You're here in the here and now. Thank you. And it's, uh, I'm glad you're here too, Rosalie. Thank you. It's been so great to, to chat with you. Can you let us know where we can find out more about you, more about the different projects you're working on? I guess the easiest way to find me is I am on Instagram and Twitter. If you go to Kijo, K-E-J-O Buchanan, B-U-C-H-A-N-A-N. And I also have a link tree. So those are, those are the easiest ways to see because my link tree gives you more of an idea of where I am creatively, um, what I'm doing in terms of, I've been putting the poetry on the backdrop, but totally um, forward with Jolly Journey right now and with the executive producing for Folk Recovery. And of course, I am available as your public librarian if you're doing your own research in the arts. And that's on the fifth floor at Toronto Reference Library. That's incredible. And we'll, we'll put a link to Folk Recovery and Jelly Journey yes, please. as well in the um, thank you yeah. in the in the show notes. And, That'd be wonderful. Um, Kijo, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Rosalind, for inviting me. And thank you for the great work and your team behind you. That's it for this episode of Refocus. Please subscribe, rate, and review on the podcast app of your choice so you never miss an episode. For more information, you can visit us at folkmusicontario.org and follow us on social media at Folk Music Ontario. This Refocus session is brought to you through the generous support of the Department of Canadian Heritage. Mm-hmm.